With Metro and the best deal in wireless, whatever your goal, however you hustle, you can rule your day. Get two lines with 5G access included for just $35 a month per line, period. With taxes and regulatory fees always included, so you know exactly how much you pay every month. All on America's largest 5G network at no extra charge. Plus, at Metro, get the latest 5G phones, like a Samsung Galaxy for less than 100 bucks when you switch. That's the best deal in wireless, so you can take control of your day wherever it takes you. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. Requires auto pay. First month is $40 per line for two lines. Samsung A51 requires port from eligible carrier and ID validation limited to two per account. Coverage not available in some areas. See Metro by T-Mobile.com or store for details. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, not just here or here, but everywhere. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. Yes, I am back another year older my name is Steven Jodderand joining me on the show is Jake Wartroba and on today's episode fire sale yeah we'll get to that in a second here listeners you know the drill hit that subscribe button leave us a five-star review follow us at Unc Sam Soccer Pod send in your comments your thoughts your hate mail at Jake Wartroba we want to hear it all Jake I'm expecting an apology letter we'll get to that actually next week He's been texting Armand and I some interesting stuff. But how we doing, buddy? God, it's so it's so great to hear your voice. Oh man, <laughs> I just I really just longed to hear your voice, Stephen. And it's it's so refreshing to hear you coming through my earbuds tonight, listeners. We're talking about the sale of the fire on today's episode. We have Guillermo Rivera of the Athletic join us to talk about the situation in one of America's biggest cities. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. Now, Jake, have you been paying attention to the Champions League? I've heard about it. Heard about it? There was big hype regarding the Americans in the Champions League. It was like an all-American group stage. Serginho Dest with Ajax. Timothy Weah with Lille. Christian Pulisic with Chelsea. Fantastic group. Might as well. Jesse Marsh? Oh, well... Yeah, Jesse Mars. Nobody mentioned Jesse Mars whatsoever. Jesse Mars became the first American manager to coach in the Champions League. Jesse Mars became the first American manager to win a Champions League game. Jesse Mars won by a scoreline of 6-2 to two over Belgium's Ghent. My goodness, what an introduction for Jesse Mars. Kind of been a forgotten American over there in Europe. He's been electric in the Austrian League. You know what their overall record is? Tell me. They're 7-0-0 with a goal differential of 28. Let me ask you this, Stephen. Listeners, let's actually make this the question of the day. 
I already Give know where us... you're going with this. <laughs> we did, listeners, we did not write this in the Google Doc, but I already know where you're going with this, Jake. How soon until Jesse Marsh is the manager at Rosenball Sport Leipzig? Yeah. I mean, he's been good. He's been good. This is what you want to see. Domination. 34 goals scored in the league. Six goals allowed. Plus 28 goal differential. Five points clear of the next best. I mean, their goal differential is what LAFC's is compared to everyone else in MLS. It's just unbelievable. The team is flying. And what a start to the Champions League. Six to two win. Stephen, do you want to do you want to know what my what dream is? Yeah, sure. Jesse Marsh becoming manager of the U.S. Men's National Team I, in time for question, the 2026 World Cup. I mean, if he continues success, and I I don't even think he needs to get out of the the group stage currently. As long if he goes and wins the Austrian League, right, does really well and just coasts. Do you think people in America are gonna? question whether or not they should have hired Marsh over Greg Berhalter because Marsh has been more successful in MLS I don't think Marsh wanted the national team job just now I think he wanted to try and I don't want to say conquer Europe but manage in Europe and see how how high up the ladder he can climb before eventually returning to America to coach the national team like he's gonna he's going to manage the U.S. men's national team at some point whether that's 2026 or you know 15 years from now what we're at whenever it may be i think eventually he will but i think he wanted to see how well or see how he would do in uh, managing football over in europe but listeners let's transition to the chicago fire joining us now is chicago fire mls and u.s soccer writer for the athletic and chicagonow.com it's Guillermo Rivera. You can follow Guillermo on Twitter at FireConf. Guillermo, how are you doing tonight? Good, guys. How are you? We're doing well. Guillermo, we were just chatting before you came on about the Chicago Fire relevancy. and You're obviously in the city. And apart from the Bastion Schweinsteiger signing, it's been years since I feel like they've been relevant. I mean, there's been issues with attendance, obviously the supporters group, stadium location, the stadium itself, lack of winning, failure in the playoffs, even if they were to make it. The list goes on and on. And it seems like this club has just fallen off the map within MLS. Are we wrong to make an assumption as such? No, that pretty much sums up the last decade. Um, <laughs> they have, for the <laughs> most part, fallen off the map outside of uh, you know the, the year or two of, uh, of being competitive. And in 2017, they made the playoffs. Uh, they had uh, one more, I mean, two playoff appearances and no playoff wins in 12 years is a, is a, is a long time with, without much success. So yeah, that's the issue. That you pretty much hit the issues on the head. The location of Bridgeview, the not winning, uh, you know, sort of antagonistic uh, relationship with the fans, on and off. It's uh, it's been uh, a tough ten years for the fire. Let me ask you this: Then what was the idea behind signing Bastian Schweinsteiger? I remember I was hyped for the signing. I remember seeing the videos at the airport, and it was a big deal. But it seems to be complete failure. And then you look at other signings across the league, whether it was David Villa with NYCFC or Ibrahimovic and Carlos Vela 
in the two LA clubs, those those have been relatively successful. Well, I think the thinking was that uh, they wanted to make a big splash and bring in a big name uh, at that point or at the point where he came in. Um, they were still um, planning on using him as a, as a midfielder where he was played his, uh, most of his career. Uh, now he's a center back out of uh, sort of out of necessity and because he's uh, not as mobile as he once was. But um, that first year, at least the first half of 2017, in tandem with Dax McCarty, uh, they had a pretty, uh, pretty damn good central midfield, um, and that propelled them into uh, a brief stay at the top of the uh, standings and, and, and that eventual playoff appearance in 2017. But I, I think the reasoning behind Schweinsteiger was, hey, I mean, you, you got a chance to bring in Bash and Schweinsteiger while he was still uh, pretty good as, as, a, as a midfielder, and he can still play in MLS. Obviously, he's nowhere near uh, what he was five, six, seven years ago, but they had a chance to bring him in, spent a good deal of money to bring him in. and uh, A lot of uh, fans had been uh, sort of targeting and, and uh, had issue with uh, Hoffman and Endel not really spending big money on uh, the big flashy designated players. And that was uh, sort of a... Uh, an attempt by uh, the fire at that point to at least get in the game with some of the big teams, uh, bring in a, bring in a big splash, spend some money and um, draw some attention to themselves. And and they did that for uh, X amount of uh, months during 2017. But again, if you don't have a guy who's uh, driving your offense, scoring goals and leading, leading you to wins and, that sort of uh, hoopla and that big name is not really going to carry you much after that first year and that first uh, few months of impact that, that he did have. So, um, yeah, I mean, Bastian Schweinsteiger is still, I mean, still Bastian Schweinsteiger, but uh, again, you're playing at center back. He's not quite what he was before. And you have to wonder if uh, uh, this is his last year because I'm, it's uh, questionable um, to spend five, six million dollars a year on a center back who's not even the best center back in the league. So, yeah, I think uh, where are they going from here? Guillermo, before we get into the sale of the fire, I just want to ask you about the current season. The fire coming off a massive 4-0 win over FC Dallas last weekend, and they currently sit three points behind the New England Revolution for the final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. How would you sum up the season so far? Well, it's been another disappointment. I mean, they've they've spent some money. Uh, they brought in uh, three dozen minute players with uh, Schweinsteiger, uh, Nikolic, and and Katai, and they went out and spent a little bit of money and brought in Nicolas Gaetan to sort of uh, fill in that number ten role that has been missing uh, here for a good part of that ten year run. Uh, so you thought, hey, you bring in Gaetan, you've got uh, some other talented players across this roster, and some of them are a little bit older, but you would think that that sort of roster would be able to compete solidly for a playoff spot, and they've been below the red line uh, for all of one, all of but one week, I think, this year. Um, you go into now the last three games, and they've got a chance, but <laughs> they've got to win all three games, and they need some help from uh, New England, uh, possibly falling apart here toward the end, and maybe Montreal and Orlando City having a tough time. But uh, this year, I think uh, maybe if you're looking for a couple of words to, 
described the entire stay in Bridgeview and the entire uh, Hoffman era of, uh, of ownership as a lost opportunity. And this is this year has been definitely another lost opportunity with a big payroll and some talented players that are just uh, having quit this year. Let's get to the news everyone has talked about. Joe Mansueto, the founder and chairman of Chicago-based financial services company Morningstar, acquired 100% control of the fire, buying the remaining 51% stake after acquiring 49% of the team last year. Guillermo, can you just talk about how the sale came to be? Well, like you said, Mansueto uh, bought in last year at 49%. Um, and the way he explains it is that uh, he got into MLS ownership or at least 49% ownership of the fire um, via an interest in getting into the game and getting into MLS. He uh, uh, reached out to Don Garber about potentially getting involved with an expansion team or uh, something in another city. And, and Garber sort of pointed him in the direction that suggested he speak to Andrew Hoffman about buying into the fire. And at that point, uh, Hoffman apparently wasn't interested in selling the team, so uh, he did need an influx of cash, and he brought in uh, Mansueto at 49%. Um, I, I think uh, going into this year, I, I don't know that a whole lot of people expected uh, that this would be the year that Mansueto bought him out, uh, but uh, you know, up until a month ago, uh, everything I had heard uh, seemed to indicate that Hoffman wasn't going to sell. Uh, and as Mansueto explains it, uh, a couple of weeks ago, or in August, uh, Hoffman approached him with uh, the idea of uh, buying his shares. And uh, since he was already on board, it, it sounded like it went down pretty quickly. Um, I, I think, uh, I don't know if uh, Hoffman has any family reasoning or personal issues for um, making the move, but he's based out of Los Angeles, uh, the last 10 years have been difficult. Uh, he does have other interests that uh, Andel is uh, involved in. And uh, uh, it sounds like Mansueto made him a, a pretty sweet offer, that he, uh, the proverbial offer you can't refuse. And uh, it went down pretty quickly over the last few, couple of weeks. Guillermo, MLS Commissioner Don Garber has talked about how the league and individual clubs have seen success with two things a downtown stadium, and local ownership. And Sueto would like to build a soccer-specific stadium in downtown Chicago, but can you envision a scenario in which Soldier Field is the long-term solution for the fire? No. <laughs> I, I, they were in Soldier Field before. I mean, Soldier Field works perfectly for international friendlies. It works uh, perfectly for um, you know Mexico and against the uh, USA in the Gold Cup final. It works for... Uh, you're a random international friendly or a random friendly between Chivas USA and uh, Club America, but it's it's really not a good soccer stadium. And if you've ever been to Soldier Field um, for an MLS regular season game, I, I can't imagine that they see this as a, a long-term home. Um, you know, Soldier Field. They were in Soldier Field before and ended up leaving. Um, I, I think uh, the idea of Soldier Field is a lot more attractive than the reality of Soldier Field. And I think they'll find that out over the next year or two, that their initial rental agreement or lease agreement is with, uh, with, the, with the city and with the park districts for three years, and they've got options uh, for up to 10 or 11 seasons there if they need to. 
I think they they have to be looking at uh, uh, potentially moving out of there and in, in within the next uh, five to six years because I, I think that's what it's going to take to find land and get something built in Chicago, which uh, you know, nothing's ever easy in the city. But um, yeah, I, I would think that uh, five or six years should be the maximum amount of time that they look to spend in Soldier Field. I know uh, Mansueto sort of mentioned that. Uh, the soccer-specific stadium isn't right at the top of the list right now, but because they've got uh, so many logistical issues to deal with in the move to Soldier Field, um, but I think if uh, if they're going to um, thrive or really stay consistently up top with uh, the rest of the teams, uh, the bigger teams in the league, I think they've got to find their own stadium within the city. Uh, that's sort of no-brainer for as far as I'm concerned. So, Guillermo, would you say that a soccer-specific downtown or a soccer-specific stadium downtown would almost be like a a field of dreams type of thing? You know, if 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 you build it, they will come for Fire fans. Yeah, I, I bet that's probably not a bad way to look at it. Uh, I mean, you're playing in a sixty-thousand-seat NFL stadium, or you're playing second fiddle to the Bears or to concerts or whatever special event the Park District might have. And the Bears are always going to rule Soldier Field. So uh, playing second fiddle in a 60,000-seat stadium where you've only drawn 12, 13, 14,000 over the last couple of years, I'm just the, the combination isn't, isn't, isn't good for where the fire are right now in terms of uh, reality. And hoping that uh, the Parker Stick is saying that they'll be happy with 15,000 people in the stadium next year, but... 15,000 people in a 60,000 seat stadium is uh, not a good look. Right. right. Uh, so, uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to only do that for a couple of years, even if uh, let's say everything goes as per, as well as they, as they can hope. And uh, they, they've got uh, some big names and they've got a, a successful team that's uh, competing for the top. I and mean, let's say they draw 25,000 people in a game. That's still twenty five thousand in a sixty thousand seat stadium. That's a uh, uh, that's a challenge to get to for a lot of people. You know, uh, they've made a, a lot of uh, um, they made a, they've made a lot out of the uh, public transportation and uh, being right down on the lakefront and you know, Soldier Field. Um, yeah, I mean, you're still uh, a good fifteen twenty minute walk from public transportation it's a it's a absolute nightmare to get in out of if you're not taking public transportation so there's there's a lot of uh challenges to soldier field that uh that are going to pose a problem i think uh at some point like you said the field of dreams and the uh, the ultimate um fantasy or a dream for the fire and fire fans is to have their own soccer stadium somewhere centrally located that uh, is reasonably close to public transportation and, and, and isn't more than 25, 30,000 seats. So um, and that's, like I said, not something that's not going to get done easily and it's not going to get done quickly. So um, within the next five to six years, I would think that's, that has to go down. At least that has to be the time frame for them. Is, is there uh, to land? Another, take, to make another move. Is there land available? Is there land in Chicago? <laughs> there see, are. Uh, I mean, there's issues in Boston, New York, with two clubs there trying yeah, to find stadium yeah. locations downtown. Yeah, and... yeah, same with yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there are um, parcels, but uh, 
there are properties that would uh, require a substantial amount of uh, infrastructure cost just to make them viable. There's just no perfect spot that's available and sitting for them right now. And there's there's a lot of work that's going to have to be done in order to find a you know a piece of property that uh, that works. That yeah, there, there's no perfect site that's sitting there readily available for them. Um, you know, the way that uh, I think fans want to see a site where you can get off the the L and walk right to the stadium or something that's easily accessible for everyone. You know, you've got the United Center on the west side. Wrigley Field is not easy to get to, so your field's not particularly easy to get to. Uh, you know, the the uh, White Sox Stadium is reasonably easy to get to, but uh, that's a little bit further south. Uh, you know, they, they want to be downtown in that downtown area and, and there's no real area sitting there um, readily available and open for a uh, for a soccer stadium without some massive uh, reorganization and infrastructure cost and uh, you know there, there was some talk uh, last year about uh, Sterling Bay another uh, local developer here uh, bringing a USL team in at uh, north side Lincoln Yards project and uh, that fell through because uh, the politicians didn't uh, didn't want a soccer stadium in there in their neighborhood. So there's a lot of challenges. There's, there's no perfect answer here. There's no easy, no easy, uh, no easy answer for the fire at this point. Now, Gamble, I wanted to touch on the potential rebrand of the Chicago fire, which seems to be a key talking point for some of the fans in your sit down with new owner, Joe Mansueto earlier this week on the athletic, he admitted that yes, they are looking to potentially rebrand the club. And he mentions that he does like the name, but they're going to do their due diligence and, and speak with the necessary parties to figure out if the team is best to move forward with the fire or rebrand as they move into soldier field. And our question is, is it a worry for the club that when the team gets Googled, a TV series pops up? Yeah, I, I know Nelson Rodriguez had mentioned that concern before. Um, you know, the TV show is not going to be around in five years. And the fire still will be, or they, or I'm assuming they will be. Um, you know, I don't think the TV show um, <laughs> uh, Google search uh, complaint is that big of an issue. Uh, you know, I, I don't think the name is going anywhere. Uh, from anyone that's way to indicate he likes the name, but everything I've heard. Uh, seems to point to the Chicago fire name uh, remaining, but uh, uh, it sounds like there'll be some sort of upgrade or some sort of a change or a tweak to the, uh, to the badge and the logo. Uh, there's been some talk about changing the uniform colors, which uh, would probably be a mistake and anger some fans. But uh, uh, as far as the rebrand goes, I think Chicago fire, uh, whether they, and then they're already Chicago Fire soccer clubs. So whether they make more of an effort to market themselves as Chicago Fire SC or, or something else, I think the fire name itself uh, isn't going anywhere. And Guillermo, last question here before we let you go. In the past, there has been issues with the fire front office and the fans. Uh, has Mansueto discussed how he'd like to ease some of the friction between the fan base and the club? Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things I, I didn't get to really uh, delve into too much with him this past um, uh, Tuesday and the 
sort of friction uh, that has been uh, prevalent over the last uh, decade with uh, the previous ownership and and the fans and some of it uh, at the beginning of the season had sort of been um, quieted down and a truce had been called, but now uh, some of the fans are taking exception or Section 8 and uh, um, is taking exception to uh, not only the fire stance, but MLS's stance uh, in, in general uh, regarding the uh, iron front signage and the iron front uh, um, uh, and uh, we'll say, well, I don't know the word I'm looking for. The, the iron front uh, sort of stance against uh, anti, uh, against fas- uh, fascism. So um, that seems to be something that's boiling under on the, uh, under the surface at the moment as well. And, and that seems to be a league-wide issue. It doesn't, I don't know that that's, uh, you know, in, um, just, uh, just a fire issue at this point. Um, I, I would be interested in seeing what uh, Mensuedo's stance is on that at this point either, but uh, uh, that's something I didn't really get to ask him on, on Tuesday, and I'm sure uh, he'll come up uh, in future sit-downs. sit-downs. I would be curious to hear what his uh, stance is on that right now. Right, right. That's definitely an interesting situation regarding the fans of Iron Front flag as well, and, and it's a league-wide issue, as you mentioned. But, yep. uh, Guillermo, we really appreciate you taking the time speaking with us, talking about the Chicago Fire. I just want to give you the opportunity to add anything you like to plug or anything else you wanted to add about the Fire and the state of soccer in the Chicago area. No, I think uh, you, can, you can catch me at, uh, at the Athletic or at FireCon, but uh, I think the Mansueto change is, uh, uh, is a good thing because it's brought some optimism and some hope to uh, the Chicago market that really hasn't been here in the last uh, decade or so. So uh, you're bringing in uh, now that you've got a guy that's uh, um, apparently ambitious and looking to spend some money, and he's got a lot of money to spend. Um, I, I, I think it's a good sign, and hopefully uh, uh, things start to turn around here because I think uh, MLS needs the Chicago market to be uh, competitive with uh, LA's, New York's, Atlanta's, and uh, all the other big teams that they want to really get to the point where um, they think they're going to be in the next uh, 5, 10, 15 years they need Chicago great, great, well appreciate it Guillermo thanks guys The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360-degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever, because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.